بسم اللہ الرحمن الرحیم السلام علیکم و رحمۃ اللہ وبرکاتہ پیس اینڈ بلیسنگز آف اللہ بی اپن یو آل ویلکم ٹو انادر ایڈیشن آف دی ڈرائیو ٹائم شو ہے آن دا وائس آف اسلام ریڈیو ٹوڈے از ونزڈے دی ٹوینٹی سکس آف اکٹوبر you know yeah. you know how it is um but uh, still we have uh, something to 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 lighten the mood as well and that is that we're going to be speaking about um in the first part of the show longevity um and how to unlock a a healthier a healthier lifestyle so it's uh, going to be very very interesting it's quite it's going to be a quite a jam packed show as well and in the second part of the show um <coughs> we're going to be speaking about um f- financial sacrifices how they are important what exactly is a sacrifice um is different to a donation a sacrifice and donation are you know sort of two two different things but what is actually what is a sacrifice and uh, talking about financial sacrifice in particular um why why we should give why we should give more Uh, that's something that we're going to be speaking about uh, a little bit later on towards the towards the second part of the show now um just to, just to begin with life is a life is a gift given to us by god uh, the gracious being one of his uh, attributes and it is therefore our duty and responsibility to to look after this gift in a in a in a befitting manner it is important to keep an eye on what we eat and drink because he because the saying goes a man is what he eats you I mean you are you are what you eat now god almighty has guided us regarding this vital um uh, uh, subject in the holy quran in chapter 2 verse 173 o ye who believe eat of the lawful and wholesome things we have provided for you now if you if you live longer than the average person then you could it could be said that you have long, longevity have the goal of longevity is striving for your maximum potential age and uh, and this hypothetically uh, this can be can be reached hypothetically by practicing um healthy behaviors and attitudes as well and uh, up till you know uh, just just quite recently the britain's queen queen elizabeth the second was you know was actually an epitome of uh, you can say healthy longevity as well she not only enjoyed an extremely long and active life but she made it to 96 without being uh, afflicted by cancer dementia or other health issues that come you know with uh, with that old age as well sometimes you will see people who reach um the age of 80 85 90 
then they sort of get that, get dementia, they get other illnesses as well, their health deteriorates as well. But, you know, the, the queen we see or we saw that uh, she, she had a, she was quite healthy for her age as well. Now, decades of privilege obviously helped. Uh, the queen had servants and, and you know, professional sh- uh, chefs and everything to look after her. Um, but also, genes probably are also um, a big role as well. And the queen's mother lived to be 101, though her father died at 56. So you never, so you can't really, you can't just base it on um, on, on genes. It's, uh, you know, a lot of other things, a lot of, a lot of other factors that play a, a huge role uh, for this as well. But even for the parents, you know, it can be either way. It can be, <coughs> you can inherit genes bo- both from both parents, obviously. And it depends on, you know, what sort of dominant gene you have inherited. Um, you see there are uh, parents, sometimes you have a difference of their heights. And mm. you see uh, the child may go uh, on the mother's side or the father's Father side. side. Um, and uh, sometimes you see uh, a very, you know, short guys and their, uh, their children are very, very tall. And, and mm. you just think uh, it could be from coming from the other side or it can also be because they can be transferred they can skip one generation go on to the other one mm. because maybe yeah. the grandparents were taller so that can happen that uh, these genes which are uh, you know they, they, they are um, so effective they 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 are the ones who are actually making your um, all the plan how how you, along you are going to live and uh, what sort of diseases are you going to catch mm. and uh, what sort of uh, mood you are going to have mm. uh, it's all you know sometimes all, you you yeah. see this uh, why why people are pessimistic or optimistic is a uh, it's all it, it's all in your genes it comes but but the question again immediately came to my mind is that okay well many people say that uh, oh God has written my life. So I'm going to live that long. Uh, so why why should I worry right. about it? You know, whenever I'm going to go, I'm going to go. So uh, uh, Imam Shajil, can you uh, respond to that, please? You know, it's sometimes it's uh, God Almighty knows something, being the all aware. Um, that's one of His uh, attributes of being all aware. But that doesn't uh, change the fact that uh, destinies can be changed as well. If you say that one destiny is is just written and is fixed, because there's two types of destinies as well, one type is the one that can be that can be changed, and there's another destiny that uh, that is fixed and it cannot uh, it cannot be changed. Um, so, f- to, to for someone to say that yes, God Almighty knows uh, everything, um, and d- just because of that, I'm just going to do whatever I do. He might have written that you're going to live up to 80 years old. But you can't just simply say that, okay, I'm going to, um, you know, go go in front of a bus and then I'm not going to die because uh, I'm going to live up to 80. That doesn't happen. Your mm. destiny is already is going to change. So it is, you know, the different factors um, that come into yeah. that come into play as well. And we'll, we'll speak a little bit more uh, about this as well. But let's get our let's get our first guest who who is on the line with us as well, uh, Andrew Penella, who lives in Washington D.C. and works within the technology space to help empower individuals and communities through digital education. Peace be upon you. Good afternoon and welcome to the show, Andrew. Yeah, good afternoon. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for, for joining us this uh, on our show today. Now, uh, to begin with, what do you think is the biggest misconception uh, about dieting and longevity? Uh, 
For a lot of people, I think the biggest misconception about dieting is just the temporary nature of it. For people to really get healthier and, and make sustainable changes in their life, they have to be just that. They have to be long-lasting lifestyle changes um, that people really embrace for the rest of their lives. There is no quick fix or, or magic bullet. And that the same goes for different types of diets. It's, it doesn't need to be complicated. Everybody is unique. Everybody was meant to eat real foods. Um, I, I think the processed food epidemic is, has been a huge toll on human health. Um, and there are cultures around the world that are, are incredibly healthy that eat tons of meat. There are cultures around the world that are incredibly healthy that eat tons of vegetables. So I really think it's just the overcomplication of diet in general and thinking that there's a quick fix and it's a temporary solution. It really needs to be a lifestyle. You need to figure out what's going to work for you. Yeah, definitely. Now, research also shows that uh, intermittent fasting uh, is a way to manage your, your, your weight and prevent or even reverse some forms of uh, illnesses and diseases. Now, how does intermittent fasting work and uh, why it's sort of uh, is positive, it's, uh, its benefits? Yeah, well, humans have been practicing intermittent fasting throughout our entire existence as a species. Whether we liked it or not, we evolved through periods of feast and famine. And so our bodies uh, are designed to go through these periods of high food intake and low food intake. So you can think about it as, um, you know, in the context of energy demands on your body, if you're, if you're consuming foods to give you enough to meet your energy demands, let's say you go out for a run and you're, you're super active one day, you know, and then the next day you're kind of sitting on the couch or you're having a rest day, you're not super active, your energy demands are going to be much higher on that first day when you went out for a run and you're very active. And so when you're eating, if you're eating above those energy demands, your body is going to start storing that food as excess energy. And that gets stored as fat on your body. And your body's thinking, you know what, eventually we're going to run into a period of famine. We're going to need to store this energy for later. The problem is that for most people around the world, they have access to food much more consistently than we ever have throughout history. Obviously, there are pockets of the world where, where food insecurity is, is very real and that's very serious. But uh, for a lot of folks, they have access to food around the clock. And so they're never really going through that natural cycle of feast and famine. So they're always in the energy storage mode because their body's always thinking, eventually we're going to run out of food and we're going to need to save this for later. So intermittent fasting basically gives your body a break. It gives it an opportunity to actually tap into that long-term energy storage, which is your body fat. So when you take a break from eating, your body starts to run on the fat storage that you already have built up. And a lot of other things happen. I mean, it's very good for your brain, for your muscles, for your gut health. Mm -hmm. um, it actually increases growth hormone. <laughs> your, your body recycles uh, broken down cells and, and tissues. And so it can be really, really beneficial to give yourself breaks from constant eating. True. Um, Andrew, what is your favorite longevity promoting food or nutrient source? My favorite longevity promoting food or nutrient source, um, I'd have to say is probably one that's under, uh, under talked about, which is spices. 
Uh, and I'll add herbs and spices. So part of the reason I love it is that I, I love to cook, and I strongly believe that if everybody uh, kind of took it upon themselves to learn how to cook and and really discover kind of recipes they liked and um, implemented herbs and spices, um, th- those have a huge benefit on the body. I mean, some of the more popular ones are, are turmeric and garlic and ginger, cumin, cardamom, cinnamon, rosemary, thyme, basil, mm-hmm. oregano. I mean, there, there's a huge <clears throat> list of different herbs and spices that really enable you to make delicious foods um, and, and flavors that you can sort of replicate from any of your favorite foods out there. And, you know, I understand they're, they're not accessible for, for, for everybody, but I think if you can get your hands on a couple basic spices and, and herbs um, and really commit to kind of learning how to cook, that is a really, uh, I would say that's a baseline way for people to really just improve their health. Indeed. Uh, and, you know, our, our lives can be so hectic sometimes, and uh, many of us have to balance demands from different areas in our lives, work, or, you know, sometimes friends and family. How important do you think is self-love? That self-love is really the foundation for everything. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I really think having love for yourself and having respect for yourself is really what dictates your entire perception of the world. So I, I think when you are um, insecure or um, don't fully love yourself, it becomes much easier to take things personally that other people are saying or to make assumptions about what other people are thinking it becomes much harder to share that love with other people. And ultimately, I mean, people talk about accountability partners as a way to get healthier and stick to healthy habits, but you are your biggest accountability partner. There's a major difference from thinking to yourself, oh, I shouldn't eat this, and I, sh- I don't eat this. Um, and the second one is really rooted in that identity. You're saying to yourself, no, I, I just don't eat this. I-, I am healthier than that, as opposed to, Oh, I shouldn't eat that. And so I, I really think self-love is so important and, and really having that mentality that you have enough respect for yourself to, to take the best possible care of yourself um, and you owe it to yourself. Again, you're really your biggest accountability partner. So I think True. self-love is huge. So you, if you were to give a single piece of advice to anyone interested in changing their lifestyle for longevity, what would you suggest to them? So this, I think, is sort of a continuation mm. of, of what I was just saying. For for most people, I would highlight the end goal, which is regardless of what habit you want to implement or what lifestyle you want to build that'll help you get healthier, the most important piece of that is recognizing that the end goal is having that become part of your identity. This is not a temporary solution. It is not a habit that you're going to practice for a couple of months and then get healthier and then the rest of your life you're free to go back to whatever other habits you were enjoying. I think it's really anything you want to build into your lifestyle to become healthier, it has to become a part of your identity. And you have to recognize that you wake up every single day with a finite amount of willpower. You don't have unlimited willpower every single day. And so things that you can make part of your identity will require less of that finite willpower that you have every day. And so that's really the the major thing that I would highlight for people is when you're thinking about lifestyle changes and habits that you want to make stick, you have to focus on structuring your environment and your mindset to recognize that 
um, the, the end goal is re- really making it a part of your identity. Absolutely, absolutely. Andrew Penella, thank you so much for joining us this uh, this afternoon on show today. Uh, on our show today, thank you so much once again, <coughs> and uh, have a have a lovely day. Thank you. Yeah, it was a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. I hope you have a great day as well. Thank you. I was just thinking: is it possible to have an eternal life? <laughs> <laughs> he's go- he's gone. He's gone. He's gone. Yeah, yeah okay. he's he's off the line. Okay. Okay. Well. As, uh, yeah. You as, as we were discussing uh, before the call regarding, you know, to yeah. that God has already, you know, decided how long you're going to live, and mm. how come people are dying before that. Mm. Uh, you know, as you were mentioning. <coughs> Destiny is there, but uh, you know I love one example. If uh, we're going on motorway, there's you know there's a speed limit of 75 or 70, I should say. And if you're driving on 120, mm. there mm. are chances that you might have accident. You might you might leave this world. Mm. Similarly, there are so many things in this world what we are doing, sometimes knowingly, sometimes unknowingly, that you know unintentionally that uh, which are causing harm to our bodies. Mm. And that's what we see in the history. Uh, even in this world, uh, in in this country, you know, if we go back to 1800 or uh, 1500s onwards till 1800, the life expectancy throughout Europe was around 30 to 40 years old. Mm. They used to live like 30 to 40 years. That's it. Yeah. So now, slowly, slowly, it was in start increasing because they start realizing that there are so many things we are not doing. We are not taking taking good care of us. There's no, uh, you know, hygienic uh, uh, things we are applying. They are not even washing their hands. There's so many things can be said. There's so many diseases were there mm. because people were not taking care of them properly. It doesn't mean you know God has uh, you know destiny for them, but uh, they are dying. God has given written a destiny for them, but the reason they are leaving early this this world because they are not following the rules which God uh, you know set for us, which by the grace of uh, you know Allah the Almighty, the Muslim people were told by the Holy Prophet peace be upon him mm. to have a good hygienic care of yourself. How you should live your life, how you should be drinking, how you should be eating. God Almighty Himself says in the Holy Quran, "Eat and drink, but not ex- you know exceed the bounds." So, so we need to basically apply all those rules in our lives to you know increase the life uh, we live in this world. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, uh, well, so what's your uh, expertise on the business? Yeah, I know no, you're well, you're well, a general well, practitioner. <laughs> <laughs> <coughs> no, what I was thinking was that you know. Uh, that um you know you pray and you say you know you pray for that you you can you get an eternal life you know mm. Mm. so so basically um and and there is some i think misunderstanding as well that there are certain prophets who are said to to have had or maybe they are like uh, they are living eternally and one name obviously comes to the mind is hazrat khizr alayhi salam Uh, Hazrat Khizr uh, is—he uh, was a prophet of God, and he was the one who is uh, mentioned. He, his name is not mentioned in the Holy Quran as such, mm. but maybe metaphorically Holy it Holy is. Holy but uh, um, but this is this is somebody. There is a um, there is a controversy about him mm. because there are certain people think that he is the one who who comes and guides people if they are they have uh, lost their way. 
and 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 puts them to the right direction and and he's uh, he's everlasting he's living there forever but basically this is a metaphorical language which has been used for the holy prophet may peace mm. and blessings of allah be upon him and of. where we see the in in chapter al-kahf so, that uh, prophet moses is mentioned that he wants to go along with him with and then uh, he asks him questions because he can't understand mm. certain actions which are taken by uh, by hazrat uh, prophet muhammad may peace and blessings of allah be upon him and um, so so basically but there but there is a lot of you know if you if you see the if you study the literature you see so many people they have spent their lives finding trying to find out uh, there is some uh, there is a word in uh, urdu or persian is called abe hayat hmm. abe hayat means that this is the water which will let you live forever and and people have been looking for searching the search for it, yeah. searching for it looking for it uh, but basically the only uh, only uh, water which can make you survive forever is uh, the spiritual water if you drink from the fountain of the, of god almighty uh, and the source of which is the holy quran and you act up according to the teachings of the holy quran and you follow that then god almighty promises you an eternal life which will come after this life because this life you know obviously you become old you be, you, you are having all sorts of problems complications pains aches and you don't want to live any any longer so that will be a punishment if you are let uh, live uh, you know forever in that condition yeah. so obviously god almighty has uh, made an arrangement that yes you can live forever but you will be given another body you you die you go into another phase which is called the intermediate phase where you are given another body and you are in that with that body uh, your your soul obviously survives and then on the day of judgment you will be given another body so so that's the thing that, that the concept of being eternal it is <coughs> it is more like a spiritual concept uh, it's not physically it is not possible so that is why we say that uh, prophet uh, any prophet for the, for that matter um people talk about a few prophets uh, prophet uh, hazrat idris alaihi salam uh, and prophet uh, jesus on whom be peace that you know he went to heavens and he would come later on mm. still uh, you know uh, he has to die because the holy quran says that you know fiha tahyana fiha tamutuna wa minha tukhrajun that you will you will die you will live in this, in this world, world and mm. you will die in this world Mm. and from here you will be raised again uh, raised again yeah. so so that's the thing is that uh, of course we are talking about the physical aspects but these are certain aspects that people have some misunderstandings and we need to clarify that that nobody god almighty says that kullu nafsin zaiqatul maut everybody is going to die one day so the, the, so there is a limitation in whatever uh so the, the you can only survive spiritually and uh, the, the only everlasting prophet is prophet muhammad may peace and blessings of allah be upon him so um and even you see these these uh, prophets of god almighty they were the best teachers they told us the principles on which if you follow them hmm. you can have hmm. a longer life because they are the ones if anybody's life was to be protected 
or was necessary to be kept for long mm. were the prophets because they were the best people mm. on earth because they were they came to guide others so if we look at the principles which they followed of course we learn the some of the principles of living a long life mm. and and they have uh, if you if you look at their the life the holy prophet may peace and blessing the father be upon him he would uh, go out and walk and he had a very tough physical life and then we we see certain principles he's following his he's brushing his teeth in the morning and evening and and he's uh, stressing upon it that you should do that he is stresses upon the hygiene mm. um, looking that. after yourself he yeah. uh, you know apart from doing the exercise if you look at his diet of course you know one can say that uh, oh he didn't have uh, much available to to eat but that is that was by choice there were periods when he had everything in the world mm-hmm. because he could he could have could, but he preferred to eat a normal simple life he did eat good things as well mm. and uh, and whatever what was available so but the, his advice was that you eat only when you feel hungry and then he said that uh, you know if you still have some uh, hunger left you should leave mm. you stop stop eating and then he also said that you know eat what is good for you hmm. halal halal is obviously the, the the instructions which are given by the holy quran but also tayyab tayyab means that whatever whatever is good for you if you if you eat those things these are the simple principles which which uh, you know if you follow you you live a a longer life and and of course you you can it is in your hands and god almighty has given you this uh, option whether you 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 become careless about your life and you, you carry on and on and uh, you know if you uh, are disobeying the commandments of god almighty of course you are going to suffer hmm. you know th- there's other uh, you know v- uh, verse in the holy quran as well that those things uh, that that give uh, that give benefit to to mankind to the people they they stay on the earth as well so that yeah so and and in this regard it is well. it is one thing is that if you if you do good deeds for uh, you know in this world which you, if you become beneficial for others you are you can survive longer and also if you even if you are start praying for others you yeah. you will have a long life because god wants you to remain on this earth so that you can be beneficial to others exactly exactly so we were fortunate enough to uh, interview dr kt tapa who's a uh, behavioral scientist in the psychology department at City University of London. Uh, let's listen to uh, what she had to say. Hello, Dr. Katie. Peace be upon you. Um, Dr. Katie, would you agree that being healthy is about prioritizing your well-being, both mentally and physically, and that both of these aspects of your life go hand in hand when you're aiming to have a healthy lifestyle? Absolutely, yes. So obviously, we often think about physical health, um in relation to health but sometimes we tend to forget about mental health as well but our mental well-being can have a really big impact on our physical health so a good example here is um stress so we know that stress has um a really big impact on our health um partly because of the physiological um results of stress but also because when we're stressed then this can sometimes lead us to have more unhealthy behaviors we tend to fall back on our more automatic behaviors we tend to engage less in uh, reflective sort of 
concentrated decision making when we're stressed. Mm. And also we know that social support uh, can reduce stress. So having a good social network um, is actually really important for well-being as well. Yeah. Um, now studies suggest that healthy aging and longevity in humans are modulated by a lucky combination of genetic and non-genetic factors. What are those non-genetic factors from a psychologist perspective? Okay, so there's a, there's a huge range of non-genetic factors. Mm -hmm. uh, I guess just to name a few, I mean, firstly, the environment that you're, that you're kind of born into. So both the country that you're born into um, and the community you're born into. So this will impact whether you've got good access to healthcare, um, education, green spaces, healthy foods, etc. Um, and then also, I guess, the environment that you grow up in, um, the kind of job that you do, whether you have a very stressful job, um, whether you've got those that kind of social support network um, that I mentioned. And then there's also things like uh, social norms. So, for example, we're very influenced by what the people around us do. Um, so, for example, if your kind of friends and family and peer group are all sort of behaving in healthy ways, then you're more likely to engage in healthy behaviours. And I think increasingly probably social media um, kind of influences people's norms um, and the sort of the behaviours that they choose to engage in. So those are just, I guess those are just some of the sort of non-genetic factors yeah. that we think about. Yeah, um, probably a very, very like, huge topic, I think it is. Start yes, yeah, yeah. Okay, so would you say that on average optimism correlates with living longer and healthier or perhaps that relatively healthy long-lived people tend to be more optimistic than average? Yeah, so that's a, that's a really interesting question and I'm, I'm not entirely sure about whether there's any research on optimism. It's not something I've come across, um, but there is quite interesting research on conscientiousness. So we know that people who are more conscientious, so people who are more um, organized and reliable and hardworking yeah. tend to be healthier and live longer. Um, yeah. now whether that's because, well, it's, it's probably partly because they're more likely to engage in healthy behaviors such as getting exercise, getting good diet, etc. cetera. Um, but also it may be because they're more likely to um, uh, achieve more academically and go on to get a good job that is perhaps uh, less stressful, um, better paid, so they end up with more uh, physical resources as well. You know, I've read this research about, um, you know, people who are very organized, that uh, they tend to help live healthier. I've seen that research as well. And I was a bit amazed because I am always considered an organized person, but when it comes to my health, I always neglect it. So I found it very interesting to read that. Ah. <laughs> right yes yeah well i guess it's not the only factor isn't it there's kind of a range of different uh, yeah. sort of factors. yeah yeah but it was it was very interesting it was very interesting yeah um okay and finally are there any personality traits that can be linked to faster aging well one personality trait that actually is linked to um higher rates of heart disease and also an earlier death is is hostility so this is a tendency to mistrust other people um, and also attribute hostile intent to others. Um, and this may occur because of a number of different reasons. So it may be partly 
um, that people who are more hostile end up in more stressful situations. So it increases their sort of experience of stress. And also it may be that um, because they're more hostile, uh, then they end up with um, sort of poorer social support network so a couple of of possible explanations there i think but certainly there is that relationship between hostility and and poorer physical health yeah it's um i mean what i I would be interested in is hostility a personality trait or would you say it's basically caused by um you know for example if somebody is very stressed or suffering from mental health yes yeah so you're saying that there might be a kind of um sort of state variability yeah, yeah. i think you're right i mean certainly in the when researchers look at this association it's looked at it as um a kind of i guess a, a relatively stable trait yeah. but yeah we can absolutely say that, that that people might vary in this um you know over the course of uh, a kind of year or whatever depending on the situation they're in so yes certainly i guess various environmental influences yeah. might make somebody um more hostile and then that would have i guess a similar impact upon their health if if it kind of was maintained over a longer term it's very interesting well thank you very much uh, dr katie for joining us on the drive time show it was a very interesting conversation thank you lovely to talk to you yeah, thank you that was a, a, a pre-recorded interview of Dr. Katie Tapper, who's a, a behavioural scientist in the psychology department at City University of London. And uh, her research looks at ways of uh, changing health-related behaviours such as diet, physical activity and also smoking as well. Very interesting uh, listening listening to her. Now, um, you know, there there are other things that we can talk about we, we spoke a little bit uh, you know about the uh, about the about the history of uh, longevity as well and how how just a couple of uh, you know a couple of centuries ago and the life expectancy here in the UK and uh, you know developed countries even though they may not be developed uh, as such uh, in that sense uh, in, uh, at that time but still they their their life expectancy wasn't as much but as mm. all of this technology is uh, expanding and getting uh, wider more accessible and more understanding about this is also there also you mentioned hygiene and uh, diet as well so all of these things uh, have a uh, have an impact um all of these things play together as as a, as a, as key roles and uh, um, they can have an effect on the on the you know on uh, on anyone's life, um, physically, internally, externally, uh, as well. Now, the the founder of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, Hazrat Mirza Ghulam Ahmad, uh, peace be upon him, mentioned that the recipe for a long life, in one of his books, he mentioned that another magnificent benefit in praying for others is that uh, one's own life is prolonged. Allah the Exalted has promised in the Holy Quran that those who benefit others and prove to be beneficial beings themselves, their lives are prolonged. According to the National Institute of Health and Care Research, regular exercise and a balanced diet can help overcome the negative impact of long-term diseases on life expectancy. And a major new a major new study found that middle-aged people who have multiple long-term conditions 
can expect to live an extra six to seven years if they adopt a healthy lifestyle. Now, the research includes data on almost half a million people. And it is the first study to show that the well-known benefits of a healthy lifestyle extended to people with multiple uh, conditions. Um, we'll speak a little bit more about this uh, as well, but uh, we'll speak to our next guest now who's on the, uh, who's on the line with us, Rida Abir, who's a clinical dietitian from UAE. Assalamu alaikum, peace be upon you. Good afternoon and welcome to the show. Thank you for having me on the show. Thank you so much for joining us this afternoon. Um, to begin with, while there are numerous debates about the best diet for increased lifespan, nearly every diet agrees that uh, eating more vegetables is actually you know, the, the way to go. Um, would you, would you mm. agree with this? Um, not fully, but what I would suggest is it's not just vegetables that we're eating. It should be a healthy, balanced and varied diet. Um, and vegetables are a big component of that balanced diet. So not just vegetables, but having uh, lots of vegetables in your daily um, meals, at your three main meals, ideally is the way to go. So uh, if, if a person is within the ideal body mass index, does that make him or her a healthier person? Not necessarily, because if we're just looking at the body mass index and it's within the normal range, we don't really know um, what's actually happening inside the body. So we go further and we would investigate their eating pattern. What kinds mm. of food are they eating? We'd also try and do some tests that can tell us how much of their body is fat percent and how much of it is actually muscle mass. So that is something that really tells us more about how healthy a person might be in the future or is at a certain point in time. So just the body mass index wouldn't tell us enough about someone's health status. Two. Um, you know, uh, what does a typical day of eating look like for you? Like when do you eat, how much, and what primarily do you eat? Um, so this would be uh, quite variable for everyone, of course. It depends mm -hmm. on gender, age. Uh, but generally, if you're asking me, I, I try and eat three meals, three main meals, that is breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Um, and then I try and have one or two healthy snacks in between. Mm -hmm. um, I'll, so you ask, what do I eat? I, generally, at each of the main meals, I'll try to have something that has protein in it. So when I say protein, I mean eggs or cheese, uh, beans, lentils, chicken, fish. So one part of my plate would try, always be that at one of the main, uh, main meals. And then I'll try and have some vegetables on the side with it. So mm -hmm. as you mentioned earlier, if vegetables are the way to go, they are. But that would be part of my meal. It could be a salad, it could be some cooked vegetables. And then a part of my meal would also be some carbohydrates. So it could be bread, it could be pasta, mm -hmm. it could be quinoa. Um, so that's sort of what I'd eat. In the snacks, generally I'll try and have some fruit. Um, and if I can also incorporate some dairy, yogurt or milk during the day, that's how generally I try and eat. It's not that I don't eat cookies and biscuits and cakes. Those things mm -hmm. are also part of the diet, but it's in a balance. Indeed. Uh, you know, now we know there are so many facts regarding gaining weight and there are some myths as well. Uh, but now we have some statements in front of us. I would like to, you know, mention to you one by one if you can just uh, just elaborate a little bit more what do you think is a myth or fact. So the first one yeah. we have, it's, uh, you know, it says eat more nuts as they are as a nutritional powerhouse. What do you think about it? 
Uh, yes, it is a fact, but mm-hmm. I'd like to elaborate but that it's a healthy, um, you know, it, it is a nutritional powerhouse. You want to incorporate them, but in a certain quantity because they're very calorie dense. So mm-hmm. there's a certain amount of nuts that you should uh, incorporate into your diet and try and make sure that they're unsalted, just not to exceed the salt intake from our food. So yes, they are a nutrition powerhouse, but in moderation. That is important. Is there any particular nuts would you think would be, you know, better for your health? Um, a variety of everything would be good, but definitely mm-hmm. walnuts and almonds uh, are really um, uh, uh, you know, a rich source of healthy fats. So if you can try and incorporate four to five pieces every alternate day or every day, um, that would be fine for a healthy person. Mm-hmm. It depends on your if there's any other health conditions, what your health goals are, weight goals are, and accordingly, you know, we suggest quantities. And True. So, you know, sometimes we have this, uh, I don't know if it's a myth or not, but uh, uh, p- people say this, that if you put uh, seven seven almonds, uh, you know, in some mm. water and you cover it up yeah. the whole night and then mm. if you have that in the morning, Take that's going to be, off. peel it off, yeah. then that's going to be more beneficial. Is that is that just a myth or is there any, is any truth I to that? I don't think there's anything scientific to that. It's more of a cultural, traditional thing. Um yeah. You, Especially you when mother says, the, peel it off. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So if, if it satisfies your mom, you can do that. It's fine, as long as you're having some nuts. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's no scientific background to that as such. Um, and it's not something that you know we routinely suggest to our patients. Or um, you know, I would tell someone if they're asking me. If they say, you know, this is how we take them, I'll be like, it's fine. It's up to you, as long as you're incorporating them into your diet. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's no real, you know... Uh, scientific basis to actually removing the fear of the almond. True, yeah, that's right. Uh, of course, at the end of their own choice, how they want to eat, isn't it? So, second thing we have, it's the eating late makes you gain weight. Mm, again, I think this is like a myth slash fact thing. It's like a gray area. It's not a black and white mm. because it really depends what you're eating throughout the day and then what are you ending up eating at that night time, that late binge. Is it something that is high calorie? And usually, mm-hmm. if someone is eating something at that time, it tends to be something that is high calorie. Um, so, you know, for instance, a chocolate or ice cream or something like that. Um, but it depends really on your overall calorie intake during the day. Yes, however, there is some research that says it does put you at an increased risk of obesity or weight gain. Mm-hmm. So, it's again, as I said, it's sort of like a gray area. You, I can't say it's a myth or it's a fact. It can be because it depends on how you're eating throughout the day and how your genes, uh, what kind of genes you mm-hmm. have, what is your lifestyle overall. If it's a one-off thing, but if it's an everyday thing, you know, all of these factors would have an impact. True. Uh, you know, the third C number we have is eat whatever you want to eat as long as you're burning it. Uh, that is a myth for sure. <laughs> you can't out on a bad diet at the gym. Mm-hmm. So the quality of the diet and the content of your meals uh, is what matters most. And what you put in your body is going to have a lasting impact. So definitely, uh, we can't just eat whatever we want. I mean, we can in moderation, uh, mm-hmm. but it can't be McDonald's seven days a week and then we can just go to the gym for two hours every day and think, you know, that's healthy for us. Uh, yeah, that's know, right. But I've <laughs> that's true. But I've seen some many people. They follow this. Yeah. They eat everything when they want to eat. Then they're running whole day <laughs> at the end. Yeah, they can. Yeah. I mean, see, it's it's what what you believe and what your yeah. goals are, what your intention is. So 
it's up to everyone if True. the person uh, you know understands that you know this is what they want to do for them it's fine so well, indeed, it you comes should from within eat with moderation yeah. that's right yeah the yeah. next we have carbohydrates are bad for you and only lead to weight gain that is a myth mm-hmm. um carbohydrates are one of the main sources of energy they have lots of fibers if you're taking the right sort of carbohydrates um so um it is not bad for you and it does not lead to weight gain unless you're having the types of carbohydrates that are bad for you so simple sugars like chocolates and biscuits and sweets and sodas if that is your source of carbohydrates definitely it's bad for you true uh you know sometime uh, uh one question sometime we discuss when we have coke it says there's so many sugar mm-hmm. in there 17 you know sugar spoons are in there but when you check mm-hmm. on google it says it's 14 calories in each uh, you know sugar uh, teaspoon what do you, what do you say about it the the problem with these diet cokes uh, or sorry the regular sodas and regular soft drinks and all sorts of you know juices and bottled mm-hmm. drinks is that they have a lot of calories mm-hmm. uh, without any nutrients in them mm-hmm. so it's like you're having two three four slices of bread with your main meal so it's like you're having bread or you're having a burger or you're having pasta and then you're having another two three slices mm-hmm. or two three cups of rice on top of that so you don't feel full when you eat it But the amount of calories uh, that you ingest by just drinking that can of coke is a lot. So the problem is it's the amount of calories that you're getting from that sugar. So it's not. It will be 14 calories per spoon. So if you multiply that, that's around I don't know. I think it's like 300, 400 calories or something. Uh, so it's not something that is keeping you full, but it's giving a lot of calories. And mm-hmm. if we do that on a regular basis, mm-hmm. we're increasing our uh, intake of calories. And over a period of time, if it's a regular thing, what you're having two to three cans in a day that's what's going to have an impact on your weight on your health course long term true the next we have it says a balanced amount of uh, movement makes us healthier but too much exercise can do more harm than good i would say the fact clash myth again like a gray area because it really depends what too much exercise is and what is your fitness level and how you are nourishing your body so if you're an athlete you would probably be exercising you know a majority of your day but you would also be eating um enough um of the types of things that will nourish your body to maintain that sort of exercise so if you exercise and meet your body's requirements um while working out it should be okay um as long as you know you're not uh, uh, asked, you know your doctor hasn't advised you against this Mm-hmm. Um, but it really depends on your fitness level and what you're eating and how much you're exercising as well. True. You know, sometimes people say to you know people people those who do not have breakfast they say if you don't have breakfast and uh, you know it, it affects on your body you might gain weight and so and so. Do you yes. think is there any reality in it? There is research on this. Just mm-hmm. like the other thing that you asked me about eating late at night. So mm-hmm. generally we see research says that eating late at night or skipping your breakfast has more of an impact on your it can have more of an impact on your weight or in weight or your metabolism. So research suggests that it puts you at an increased risk of obesity. Um why that happens is generally from research what we see is um a lot of people who skip breakfast who have late night meals they're generally tend to have higher calorie foods energy dense foods so when they are eating they're eating something that is higher in calories It may not be true for everyone this is the group that is researched on sorry uh, yes the next one we have it says eating fat does not necessarily cause more fat on our bodies 
So that's a fact. It's the overall intake of calories that will have more of an impact on the fat mass on your body. So just if we're eating more fat, it's not going to just deposit. It depends again on your exercise, your uh, overall um, uh, calorie count, how much you're eating, how much of you're eating, of how much of something you're eating that's not good for you or something that is good for you. It really depends on the overall um, energy intake and your exercise and fitness level as well. Okay, thank you very much. You know, the last question we have received from uh, from Bangladesh. There's somebody of our listeners. He's asked. So his, his name is Sanwar Ali. He says, "What should we avoid to live longer? What should we eat? What should we avoid to live longer?" Ah, uh, <laughs> avoid. I don't know if there's one single thing that you should avoid. Um, I I think I would go back to saying that if we take everything in moderation. um that is something that will help us live longer and one of your earlier speakers was talking about something that becomes a habit so if it's a habitual thing that you're eating a well balanced diet and you're having some cookies and some ice cream mm-hmm. in between that's fine but if something is on a regular basis you're you know you're having unhealthy meals fast food every day lots of soda those are the sort of things that if you take every day mm-hmm. that can have an impact on your you know your life and your health True. There's not one single thing uh, that can, True. you know, make it or break it. Yeah, Zak Mulla, thank you very much. You know, for joining us today and uh, giving good insight uh, uh, about nutrition and everything. Uh, it was lovely speaking to you. Have a nice evening, Zak Mulla, for joining us. Salam alaikum, Tala. Thank you, Salam. Thank you for having me. Zak Mulla, Salam alaikum. It was very interesting. I think is is end of the day. You know, the uh, beauty is balance, mm. and. Uh, uh so if you want to live a healthy long life because if you want to live a long life obviously you want to live a healthy life as well it's not that you don't want to become dependent and uh, you know disabled or something so you want to live a longer healthy life uh, the balance is the key hmm. keep a balance and um, because all these advices from the doctors you know they keep changing hmm. you know, one day they would be stressing upon one thing and the other day they say oh no no this is rubbish don't take take that hmm. and uh, then the, the next day they will be stressing upon that so i i think it's overall we, it's a must that our diet which consists of the carbohydrates it contains of proteins it consists of the fat uh, fat is part mm. of it you see fat is the main source you need it for <coughs> your brain to work mm. okay so you can't avoid fat basically and then um, uh, it's very essential and then you got proteins you got uh, vitamins uh, apart from the proteins obviously there are vitamins which are essential the minerals are essential and and water is the main thing because 50% of you is water mm. even more than that so um, uh, even simple dehydration can make you very very sick people mm. get admitted because of the dehydration uh, because it affects so uh, all over the body so keeping a balance of all of them i think that that would be the key um to you know to 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 living a long life and if you uh, you know you earlier spoke about queen you know one thing about queen that in i think in 1947 that, that's when she started um she authorized um for homeopathy to be used in the country mm-hmm. uh, later on recently it has been stopped Uh, otherwise it was available on the nhs it is still available as a tertiary care mm-hmm. but not not in the primary care but it it can be you can be referred uh, and homeopathy <coughs> is one type of uh, medicine where 
um, where the, the, the side effects are supposed to be the least in expert hands. So that is one, one of the, uh, even, even the royal family, uh, many members, they still use the homeopathy as the first mm-hmm. line choice. Of course, they use the other uh, sort of medicine as well. It was in the news as well, they used in COVID as well. Yeah, during the, yeah, during COVID as yeah. well, the, uh, the homeopathy was widely used. So all sorts of things which are, because uh, there's something called iatrogenic, that is, um, the doctors make it, uh, the side effects upon you, because they are using a certain <coughs> medication, and it is because of that you are suffering. Sometimes you are being investigated for no reason. Okay, so so there are people out there who, who are not, uh, you know, uh, who are not exposed to, those radiations, those uh, investigations unnecessarily, and they are fine. They are living uh, quite healthy life. So, um, so I think yes, uh, the longevity has increased, but in that has played, of course, uh, a major role of the scientific development as a whole, the development of um, the medicine itself, the medical care of the people. And, uh, and and of course, people are living longer. And, and the preventive side, which we are talking mainly about, is that, you know, if you take care of yourself and uh, you're eating healthy, you're living a healthy lifestyle, healthy life, lifestyle is the key. Nowadays, you know, the doctors, they prefer not to prescribe you a, a prescription, give you a medicine. Um, they prefer that you should listen to what they are saying. And uh, you've got, you know, loads of knowledge. You can go on onto the Internet. You can study. And, and every individual is different. So every individual has to look into his own needs and adjust accordingly. And then where are you living? In, in different countries. For example, somebody who's, who's living in Africa and is hardly uh, find something to eat mm-hmm. uh, will have a different choice than here when you have got like 10 dishes on, on your table and, and you, you are, you know, spoiled of choice what, what mm-hmm. you should eat. And then you say, oh, I'm not feeling hungry. Many of the kids here, even, you know, the, the main complaint they come is, oh, he's not eating. Well, uh, I, I sometimes tell them, maybe I'm harsh sometimes. I say, oh, take them to Africa. Yeah. Uh, if they will live there for a month, they will be fine. Okay, they'll be eat everything. Because it is uh, the, the circumstances <coughs> you're exposed to. Because human body, it is, uh, uh, it is adjustable. And God has made it flexible. So you adjust according to the circumstances as well. So if you are exposed to uh, those circumstances, obviously you will balance it out. And uh, end of the day, you have to eat healthy. You have to uh, eat everything, mm. but everything in balance. <coughs> uh, and don't exceed. This is the Quranic teaching is eat and drink, but exceed not the bounds. Surely he, that's Allah, does not uh, love those who exceed the bounds. That's yeah. the commandment of God Almighty. So if one follows that, of course, he is, he is going to be healthy. Absolutely, absolutely. So you know that's uh, qu- quite an interesting uh, and informative um, uh, show uh, 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 right now at the moment. Um, but uh, we must uh, draw a conclusion to to that as well. And uh, after the after the break, we will uh, start our next topic, which is as I mentioned about uh, about financial sacrifice. Why we even need to make uh, sacrifices? What's the difference between a sacrifice and a and a simple donation? Sometimes you just make a donation without even thinking about it. But a sacrifice being something that uh, that you feel 
as well. Maybe you feel a pinch in your in your pocket as well. But uh, more of that after the break, uh, after the news break. Until then, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. You're listening to the Voice of Islam Radio. Broadcasting on DAB and via the internet 24 hours a day. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. Peace and blessings of Allah be upon you all. Welcome back to the Drive Time Show here on the Voice of Islam Radio. As mentioned before, uh, in this part of the show, we are speaking about uh, um, a, a, a belief in in Islam and all major religions as well which is about financial sacrifices um financial sacrifice is a is a very important as i mentioned part uh, of major religions but also specifically of islam as uh, you know giving alms um giving to the needy is actually one of the five pillars of islam as well and this is based on the philosophy that whenever god almighty bestows someone with favors whatever that may be it can be of wealth, it could be of even time, it could be of uh, whatever Allah the Almighty has blessed someone with. He or she sacrifices, uh, sacrifices that little bit for uh, for the betterment of uh, of mankind as well, for the propagation of uh, the the religion of uh, of Islam as well. Now, one can say that sacrifice is a very is a very important step in attaining God Almighty's nearness. So, in today's show, we'll be exploring the essence of uh, of sacrifice and how we can actually ultimately give more now just to begin uh, this as well the promised messiah upon whom upon whom be peace the founder of the ahmadiyya muslim community has stated in one place that what a blessed time this is no one is asked to lay down his life this is not the time for for offering the ultimate sacrifice Rather, it is the time to spend out of one's possessions according to one's means. So we should try our utmost to give. And uh, in the in the Holy Quran, Allah the Almighty mentions in uh, you know one of the most important commandments of the Holy Quran is spend correctly and openly. This was from uh, chapter fourteen, verse thirty-two. In another verse in the Holy Quran, Allah the Almighty states that those who spend their wealth by night and day secretly and openly. Have their have their reward with their Lord, on whom shall come no fear, nor shall they grieve. Chapter two, verse two hundred and seventy-five. Now, from these verses, we can you know we we can understand how important it is to give charity, to give to the needy, to give to the people who you know who who, who depend on these things as well. Now, God Almighty tells us that He would also provide for us in uh, in miraculous ways if we give from what we love simply for the pleasure of Allah and in the in the service of mankind as well um god almighty also promises us that if we train ourselves to give in times of both ease and hardship our sustenance will uh, will actually increase and giving awakens our souls and triggers genuine concern for the well-being of others some people think that you know, if you donate, if you if you give, if you sacrifice, if you make a sacrifice, um, you know, a part of your wealth, 
um, then you you know you you know, that's a that's a loss. You're never going to get that back. But that's the that's the opposite. Allah the Almighty mentions that He's not going to give you back what you gave, but He He can give you seven hundred times back what you gave, and He can He can even increase that if He wishes as well. So these are just uh, some things um, just to get started. Um, now priority priority is given to feeding the poor and the needy, as uh, that is one of the best acts uh, in, in Islam as well. However. When we look at the world poverty, um, we see that it's, uh, it's, it's increased um, fifty by fifty percent since two, since the year two thousand. And in the UK, there are three point nine million children in poverty. Um, this is just here in the UK, by the way. And before the pandemic, it used to be four point three million children, but in twenty and twenty twenty one, those two years, it fell to three point nine million. Uh, because there was a uh, £20 a week increase to universal credit as well. And this shows that we can solve poverty if the right policies are actually introduced for the long run. But until they are, you know, we should keep giving and try to help in whatever uh, in whatever way possible, in whatever way uh, we can as well. Um, I know, uh, uh, Dr. this is a, you know, if, uh, you're quite passionate about, uh, you know, uh, this topic and, uh, and uh, going into some detail about what the Ahmadiyya Muslim community has uh, for this as well, especially when you know when we talk about the different schemes which have been initiated. Obviously, we have those, um, you know, those uh, those voluntary voluntary um, schemes, you know, which people which people donate to, but also we have um, auxiliary uh, donations as well. Such as you know, Tehrik Jadid, Wakf Jadid, and and so on as well. Uh, so I know you're very uh, passionate about this one, isn't it? Um, yeah, because uh, <coughs> the thing is that if you l- if you look at the history, when the prophets of God um, Almighty they come, all of them, if you look at the history, they are all um, apparently they are sourceless. They are on their own. Um, they are not financially very strong. Um, yet they claim that they are the ones who have been appointed by God Almighty um, and that God has promised to them. Obviously, when God appoints somebody, then he, uh, you know, he makes sure that they are the ones who are going to dominate because the purpose is that people know about uh, God Almighty uh, and they follow his commandments and once they will command they will follow the commandments of God Almighty. They are likely to be successful. And this is what happens. And this is actually the biggest uh, um, sort of sign of uh, the existence of God Almighty. That, uh, you know, somebody who is who is um, apparently uh, without any resources, um, he, if you, from the worldly point of view, if you look, look at them, um, people ridicule him. And uh, in a way, they... Uh, you know, sometimes I have a sympathy with them because when they look at the resources he has, uh, when they look at how, you know, um, uh, in uh, if you compare it with the worldly uh, sort of uh, resources, then you you think that, you know, how, how is it possible that this man, man is, is going to succeed? Mm-hmm. Like, for example, if you, you look at Prophet Noah, <coughs> on whom be peace, you know, when... You know, he he is uh, what he is doing is that he is making a um, a ship or a or a boat, 
and and this boat which is called Noah's Ark, mm. um, and, and people are saying, look, look, you know, you are crazy. This is a desert. Hardly mm. ever it rains here, yeah. and you are you're making a a, a, a boat here, Marching. and then you are saying that there is going to be a flood, mm. uh, and and then people are going to be uh, you know destroyed unless they join you. Um, you are making you you just opened up a shop. You want to have some business. You want to uh, get money from us, and so that you can you know flourish yourself. Mm. So this is this is generally the thinking of about every prophet. But then what happens is that because they are from God, the um, the uh, help the succor from God comes, and uh, you see that from these uh, very minimal resources. Um, people with the with a clean and pure heart, uh, who get more purified when they come closer to the Prophet of God, uh, they become purified and and uh, uh, such a um, such a jamaat or such a um, uh, co- collection of people, uh, you know, they they gather around him, that this is a purified jamaat which is uh, dear to God. And that's why God Almighty makes sure that they, they are the ones who are the winners. Yeah. So you see that in that flood, who is saved is the people who are in the boat. Hmm. Similarly, those people who are the who are following Prophet Moses are with him and they are uh, migrating hmm. um, in, in that, uh, you know, where they have to cross. Cross the river. The river. The yeah. They are the ones who are survive, who survive. Yeah. All the rest are drowned. So in the same way, we, we see the life of the, the Holy Prophet, may peace be upon him. That's the big, biggest example. But then, you know, having said that, they have to make sacrifices. Mm. If we life, if we look at the life of the Holy Prophet, may peace be upon him. Throughout his life, you know, he made sacrifices. Um, uh, you <coughs> know, uh, look at that first ten years in Mecca. Obviously, that was individual sacrifice. Everybody was, you know, suffering. It was going through because they were taught that you have to be patient. So they could not. And even if they they had, and then they had to make a <coughs> biggest sacrifice when they migrated. They left everything what they had in mm. Mecca, and they had to go to the extent that you know some that there was uh, one. A uh, companion of the Holy Prophet, may peace be upon him. His name was Hazrat Suhaib Rumi. He was from Rome, and he had migrated there. And he, because he was a businessman, he had made some property in in Mecca. But then, uh, you know, when he wanted to migrate to Medina, the Holy Prophet, may peace be upon him. Obviously, he wanted to go and join him. Hmm. But the the Meccans who said that you know you never came from uh, you know you, you you never brought anything from your home. You have made everything up here in Mecca, so mm. you leave everything here, and then only we will allow you to go. Mm. So he left all his property, and he went. He reached Medina, and when he reached there, the Holy Prophet, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, he said, "Oh, um, Sohab, you you might have done many big deals, but mm. this is the biggest deal you have done, because uh, mm-hmm. you know you what you have earned out of you know losing all your property is a player of Allah." True. So this is this is what uh, you know the followers of the Prophet are to. The, whatever they do is is for the player of Allah. Mm-hmm. So if you see these examples, then and then if you go on to Medina, every other day, the Holy Prophet may peace be upon him. They have to survive. They are defending themselves mm-hmm. because the opponents from you know they're coming over from thousand miles, you know, and they are coming all the way to kill them to to erase their name from the face of earth. That is their purpose, and they are trying to defend themselves. And every every now and then, they what they are doing is the Holy Prophet, may peace be upon him, he himself or or one of his representatives or, or to whomsoever he points, he makes a call. He says, "Oh, to, tomorrow we have to uh, defend ourselves." So what what people do is that as a result, they come out, they come out leaving 
um, you know, their businesses, their children, and then they come along with everything what they have. So you see that, you see, uh, we only know about a few battles we, mm. by name, which which have been mentioned in the Holy Quran, the, the, the Battle of Badr and Ohad and, and Battle of Ditch. Uh, but every other day there was, you know, something going on mm. and, and people had to come out and they, so they made a big sacrifices. True. Um, and uh, and they brought everything. And one of one of those uh, uh, battles, there is a mention of this incident. When you see the, we see Hazrat Abu Bakr Siddiq uh, May Allah be pleased with him. He was the first Khalifa, and he he was uh, the companion. And and the other was Hazrat Umar, uh, who became the second Caliph later on. Uh, may Allah be pleased with both of them. You know, um, they uh, at the at the occasion of uh, Tabuk, um, it was them. Uh, who were competing with each other. You know, Hazrat Umar had brought some stuff and he was very happy that, you know, I, I brought half of what, what I had in my house. And uh, when Hazrat Abu Bakr, um, uh, may Allah be pleased with him, when he comes, then the Holy Prophet, may peace be upon him, he asks him that, you know, what have you brought it at home? What have you left at home? And he said that Allah and his messenger is sufficient uh, for, for my home. So this was the spirit with which they made sacrifices. But these people when they came, it's not that they didn't have any families, they didn't have any attachments, they didn't have any businesses to run. They had everything. Yet, in response to the call from the Holy Prophet of uh, Islam, Prophet Muhammad, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, they came out and they knew that they, they were not sure whether they are going to come back or not. So many of them, they didn't. And, and you know, they, they gave away their lives and they, they fell martyrs. But, they were promised by the by the Holy Prophet of Islam, Prophet Muhammad, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, uh, and he had gave them the glad tidings that you know the uh, the paradise is under the swords, under the shadow of swords. So they were promised, they were promised the paradise, and that was the player of Allah that Allah will take them to uh, to to the paradise. So, but in for the latter days, there is a mention in the Holy Quran. And that mention is that that at that in the latter days, in the later time, closer to the time of uh, the day of judgment, um, the paradise will be brought closer to man. And the holy founder of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, he has explained that that this verse, what it means is that at the time of the holy prophet, may peace and blessings of Allah yes. be upon him. Um, uh, you know, you were promised paradise, but for that, you you had to sacrifice your life. Although they did did make the financial sacrifices, plus they also made the uh, you know the sacrifice of their lives, and then they were promised paradise. Whereas at this time, yes, you what you need is because there was a prophecy by the Holy Prophet, may peace be upon him, and that was Yazaul Harb, that when he will come, he will postpone the wars. So th the wars are no more needed. What mm. you need is to spread the message of true Islam to the world, and for that purpose, you have to spread it through the literature through the publication of uh, to conveying the message to the people and uh, for that you know to, to, this is called jihad with pen that is the um, your your struggle um, that you try to spread the message of uh, islam through the pen and for that you require finances Hmm. You you don't have to sacrifice your lives. Although you know there are many people who have who are sacrificing their lives even now at the time hmm. who are the followers of the promised Messiah on whom be peace. But the main purpose of his coming was to spread the message of Islam to the world, and that would be through 
through the literature, through people going out and um, conveying verbally the message, uh, going on the means, all the using all the means of communication like we are doing right now on the radio, on the on the television, uh, and for that you need money. For in fact, for that matter, any jamaat, anywhere, any club, any small association, you need finances for that. And therefore, you know, for this Jamaat also needed the finances. True. And and at the time of the, the, the promised Messiah, uh, on whom we peace, the holy founder of the Muslim community, he said that you should pay regularly into mm. this because this is a, a, a holy purpose. True. This is a purpose of your life because you have to convey this message. And for that, we need finances. And he said, uh, even if somebody pays a small amount, but he, he pays it very regularly, mm. well, that would be more. Allah will be more pleased with that. And that is why it is essential and it is essential part of the commandment of God Almighty. Wherever God Almighty says, you know, the God Almighty says the purpose of life is to where he has created you for the sake of so that you can worship him worship you him. can have a relationship with him you can develop a friendliness with him and so, how you can do that he has given two main commands everywhere the first one is to worship God is to aqimus salata that you say your regular prayers and associated with that at 38 places they, there is association with that you also spend in the way of Allah true. so when you spend in the way of Allah of course um, uh, you know, you are trying to protect your worship. You protect your, uh, protect your relationship with God Almighty. And when you are praying to God, you also pray to God Him so that Allah blesses you because it is out of what He has given you, you are supposed to spend. Indeed, <clears throat> uh, Dr. Sahab, indeed, it's, uh, there are hidden blessings. There are blessings in, in spending in the way of Allah. And, uh, you know, by the grace of uh, Allah the Almighty, the <clears throat> Ahmadiyya Jamaat is doing, you know, sacrifices. Everybody just do sacrifices in their lives, and on whole, you know, the our community, uh, they are uh, putting their efforts for human beings in the world. So, you know, to continue this topic further, <clears throat> this uh, you know blessed topic, we have a first caller with us. Uh, is uh, Abdul Basim Bashir Sahib. He's uh, chairman of Humanity First in Netherlands. I welcome you. Assalamu alaikum. Peace be upon you, Abdul Wasi Sahib. Wa alaikum assalam. Peace be upon you all. Zakmullah, Zakmullah for joining us today. Uh, the you know we would uh, like to uh, you know listen to from you uh, that uh, how that uh, HF and Humanity First is doing uh, in the world. So if you could please start by telling our listeners about the background of H, you know, Humanity First in Netherlands and since when have you been part of this charity? Ah, okay, on 31st of May 2006. But uh, before uh, the registration members from the uh, Jamaat Netherlands, they were very uh, actively, they participated in uh, Balkan conflict and then when there was an earthquake disaster in Pakistan. Mm-hmm. About two doctors, they went there and uh, they served there, uh, their tour. And uh, uh, the second part of your question, uh, when did I get involved? I think I migrated to Netherlands in 2003. Mm-hmm. And uh, I got involved with music first uh, about 2009 and 10. And uh, then... Uh, my involvement get uh, more uh, concentrated uh, around 2018 
when I was nominated uh, as a fundraiser for Humility First. Mm-hmm. In 2019, I was uh, given the task of uh, vice chairman. In 2020, I was nominated as the chairman of Humility First. Mashallah. Um, you know, uh, what recent or upcoming projects have you been personally involved in? If you would like to share something, the upcoming projects is coming, or you, you, if, if you had something in past. Yeah, we have been. Uh, uh, <coughs> I can tell you the uh, from 2018 when I physically get involved with uh, Humility First. We are doing a lot of projects, and in my person, uh, after I become the chairman. I'm always uh, with my team uh, because we have a small team and mm-hmm. we are actually in the process of uh, building up our team. Uh, we are training them and, and uh, my presence there is just to motivate and encourage them. Mm-hmm. Uh, the team do, does it work. We have done a lot of uh, small, small projects in Netherlands and uh, we are also a sponsoring country for South Africa and Swaziland. Mm-hmm. So we have a lot of many projects uh, going on in South Africa and Swaziland also. So here we in in Holland, what we do is mostly uh, we we have food distribution uh, uh, project. Every month we provide food in different cities of Holland to the homeless people. So uh, that is a very regular uh, project. Then we do also uh, like we have a, a group of uh, people who are not able to uh, to maintain their daily uh, food. So we provide those families with dry ration. We help. Uh, we went to visit uh, refugee uh, camps and we see how, what sort of help they need. We have done a lot of uh, events in camps. We have provided them with food and uh, with clothes and with winter clothes and with uh, hygiene products. Mm-hmm. We also help uh, families uh, uh, in their resettlements. Uh, and um, the next project we do is uh, there are many old people who live uh, independently in, in their old homes not in old people home but their old home which they own for many years mm-hmm. so at many times we are approached by the town councils to help them with uh, uh, you know they, they grow a lot of uh, grass in their backyard or yard, and that is a very uh, that is expensive for them to, to maintain so we help them maintaining their backyard or four yards. And um, then recently I was in South Africa as Swaziland. Mm-hmm. We, we, we drill their uh, six water wells. Mm-hmm. And they are, uh, at this moment, they are uh, working on them they are, because all these uh, water wells are either uh, solar or uh, motorized. So before they are handed over to the town council there, uh, we have to secure them. We have to make a room. So this all, uh, you know, construction is going on. So inshallah, they will be ready by end of November and we will start handing over them to the village authorities. 
And uh, we have also done a lot of uh, uh, like food and Russian projects in Swaziland and South Africa. Uh, we help them uh, administratively in the uh, recent floods in Durban, mm-hmm. in South Africa. Uh, and uh, that is uh, this sort of, uh, we also help Pakistan during their uh, floods, mm-hmm. recent floods. Yeah, we were there, we participated in it. And we still have some uh, funds available for them. We are just waiting for their signal when they need it. So we can provide it to them. Great. Uh, you know, Wasi Sahib, uh, you know, due to recent pandemic as well as economic downfall, how important are these fundraisers for the people throughout the world? Uh, I, 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 I'm not sure about the world. I can only, mm. <laughs> uh, because my experience and my uh, interaction is with the Dutch people, mm-hmm. uh, I can tell you uh, uh, that Yes, it has affected, but uh, it has not affected in a way that uh, people have stopped it. Uh, people, uh, their, their amounts maybe has reduced per donation by maybe 5%, 10%, in some cases up to 20%, 30%. But uh, at the same time, this uh, pandemic has uh, teached a lot of uh, other people who are not donors to the charity that uh, yes there are problems uh, faced by the people in their daily life without uh, uh, this sort of uh, social uh, uh, disturbance that uh, they they really need help so in terms, the, the amount may have reduced a bit, but the number of donors that have increased. Mm-hmm. So in fact, uh, for, from my experience, we, uh, uh, now people are thinking, okay, uh, let's give one, uh, one piece of bread every day. Instead of eating four pieces of bread for myself, let me give one piece to someone who really needs it, who mm-hmm. is uh, going to keep hungry. So this type of, uh, uh, you know, emotional development is taking place in people and they are sharing it uh, uh, more and more. And, uh, true, true. Uh, you know, uh, that's, why, that's why I wanted to ask basically, you know, have you noticed any significant changes in behavior of people towards financial sacrifices? Has uh, the recent rise in living costs affected the way people are responding to these appeals, which, you know, manifest to or some other appeals? No, as I say that uh, people, their amounts uh, may have reduced in some cases, mm-hmm. but the number of people who are now donating, that is increased. Mm-hmm. So, in fact, uh, my conclusion is that uh, uh, we are getting more fundraisers and fund, funds from the people uh, which we, uh, which was not pre-pandemic. Pre- mm-hmm. it, it is increased in terms of amount. Right. Yeah. So, uh, you know, uh, at the end, if you could also share some ideas how to be charitable, you know, work to be more generous in giving and uh, thinking of others if one is struggling to meet, you know, uh, to make ends meet. Yeah, uh, see, uh, for me, uh, uh, 
what I think in the in in the nature, Allah has already given us hmm. a heart which is loving. Hmm. Uh, we love our parents, we love our family, we love our friends, and hmm. uh, this uh, the recent events in the world they have uh, uh, changed this thought. <laughs> they, now people are st- stepping forward to help who are not related to them. They are more uh, giving more help to them. Uh, and uh, my main consideration to to the members of uh, Jamaat here in Holland is always I tell them that it is, it is the basic teaching of the Islam. You have a kukala and you have a kukala, but they are, they are equal. Mm-hmm. You cannot deny one and uh, you cannot you have to keep a balance among them. True. And they, the, if you can't, I mean, learn from the Quran, learn from the Hadith, and learn from the writings of the Prophet Messiah, then nobody can teach you. True. It is, it is all that you have to, if you are not a donor, I tell them, I don't force on them that please become my donor. I tell them, go back and read Quran. Mm-hmm. And then once you read it seriously, I mean in depth, you will automatically have the heart of love and you will come to donate for the people who are less blessed in this world. And that, that always, uh, uh, I mean, uh, help me get donors. Uh, they, they come forward and they, 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 uh, 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 they are ready to, to sacrifice whatever they can. True. Um, you know, thank you very much, Abdul Wasisa, for joining us today. It was a pleasure speaking to you. And uh, yeah. have a nice evening. Zakumullah. Peace be upon you. Assalamu alaikum. Assalamu alaikum. Uh, as we were discussing, you know, before our first caller, the blessings or the sacrifice which Muslim people made make around the world. Not only Muslim, there are other people, uh, you know, they do sacrifice towards the poverty. And if you look, uh, you know, the uh, stick text, we find out the fifth, you know, uh, around the world, the poverty has increased by 50% since 2000. And uh, in the UK, there are 3.9 million children in poverty in the UK. Before the pandemic, it used to be 4.3 million children. But in 2020-2021, it fell to 3.9 million because there was 20 pound a week increase to human credit. So, you know, the main thing which we learn from the teachings of the Holy Prophet, peace and Allah be upon him, he always took care of poor people. He wanted to have a you know, healthy society and he taught to all the Muslims to take care of your your neighbors, your brothers, if somebody in need, you know, you should be paying, sacrificing to to you to to, you know, help to reach out the corners of the world to spread the teaching of Islam, as well as you know to helping the needy people around you. There shouldn't be the case that one is you know having uh, uh, have all kind of uh, you know necessities, enjoying his life. On the other side, people are dying; they don't have even you know there's basic uh, food to have uh, for, for every day for the children. So you know in Islam, <clears throat> it is considered you know very essential that the people in authority should be sensitive to the cause of the people to such a degree that there is no need to form pressure groups. According to the Holy Quran, the ruler 
is repeatedly held responsible and answerable to God for the state of affairs of those who are under him and placed under his trust. The Holy Prophet, peace uh, be upon him, used to say that each of you is like a, sh in a shepherd to whom the sheep belong. He is entrusted with the responsibility of tending the sheep. You will be held answerable. Which means, you know, this saying even shows that there is a various relationship in which we are put in, in charge and we will be answerable to those. So in this, you know, instance, it is the government's responsibility to take, to look after its citizen and make sure that they are well looked after. And if we discuss the importance of giving, you know, uh, we, we realize that uh, God Almighty, you know, abundantly, whatever you spend in the way of Allah, he promised in the Holy Quran that he will multiply all that and will give you back. I can remember one saying of the uh, saying of the fourth caliph, Khalifatul Masih Rabbi used to say, he said the, the very, very basic principle God has said in the Holy Quran, he says, Antumul Fuqara, that you are poor people. It is God who has given to you. So it is our responsibility that you should give, do sacrifice as much as you can in the way of Allah. If God has given you a lot of money, if you're spending five, ten pounds out of it, you know, you spend more than that to buy a burger. If you go with your family, you're spending 40, 50 pounds. But sometimes people are not willing to spend a single penny in the way of Allah. And ultimately, they face circumstances. Allah Ta'ala says, God Almighty says, if you spend in the way of Allah, indeed Allah Ta'ala will, you know, multiply it and give you back. The topic <coughs> which uh, after that we will be discussing is, uh, you know, Tahrik al-Jadid and we have... Uh, you know, a guest, you know, sitting in front of me, and uh, we will be, you know, asking, uh, you know, some questions regarding the scheme which initially started, which is named Tahrik Jadid, the new scheme. So I would, you know, request, uh, uh, you know, our Tariq Bajwasab, who is who is with me in the studio, that could you please tell us, our listeners, what is Tahrik Jadid, and when was it was first initiated? Okay, thank you very much. Um, I, I was uh, I was telling you about the importance of uh, you know spending in the way of Allah and how God Almighty has mm -hmm. stressed upon it in the Holy Quran and you as you just mentioned that uh, God Almighty has actually um, inspired people so that they can spend in the way of Allah mm -hmm. by telling them that if you spend in the way of Allah then it's not going to go waste it's not it's not that Allah is going to keep it because Allah is not a beggar Allah mm -hmm. is uh, Ghani, Allah says that he doesn't need anything. He doesn't need anything. It's you. You are the ones who need him. So if you will be spending in the way of Allah, it is going to come back to you. And it, and he promises that he will he will return it many folds. And uh, um, actually, the, if you look at the Holy Quran, the Holy Quran has given a very comprehensive teaching about mm. the economic system which is to be run um, under Islam and Islamic uh, government. And in this, uh, you know, Islamic uh, economic system, there is a, a lot of stresses laid upon uh, voluntarily contributing towards the running of the country hmm. and looking after the needs of the people who are needy. So the Holy Quran, where it says that you should spend in the way of a light, hmm. also says that uh, where it should be spent. So there is a very clear-cut guideline that this should be spent uh, on the people who are uh, ill, who are needy, who are, uh, you know, who are uh, prisoners, who have become, uh, uh, you know, uh, who have fallen in a ditch of 
um, where they are under a lot of debt. Mm. They are wayfarers. They are away from their homes and 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 so on. So there are very clear clear cut guidelines mm-hmm. that that the government itself is responsible. Mm. For uh, you know, for whatever is being there, and that's why you see this. Uh, there, there is a famous incident of Hazrat Umar, uh, may Allah be pleased with him, when he was the second caliph. You know, he he used to visit, um, uh, go around uh, in in the town and see how people are, and uh, so once he saw that uh, there was in a in a house, and th- there was uh, he he could hear the children crying, mm. and then there was a noise that uh, something was cooking in. So he he just um, he went into this uh, house, and there was mm. a, he saw this lady who was uh, sitting, and along with him, uh, uh, along with her were three children. And and she explained to him that uh, you know she has nothing to feed uh, her her children, and uh, there this is uh, empty vessel and there's nothing in it and it's mm. just the water boiling, and um, so that they can be just to satisfy her children. Mm. So Hazrat Umar, because he was the Khalifa at the time, so he felt the responsibility, and uh, he went back immediately to Battle Mall. That is that was the tra- treasury mm. where it where the things were. Kept and he um, insisted his servant to put the the load onto his his back yeah. and carried himself. Hmm. Although this uh, the the servant he was uh, he he offered that you know why I can carry it and hmm. he said no on the day of judgment I am the one who is going to be asked so hmm. I am going to be answerable so let me take my load. Hmm. So he himself took you know whatever the needs were hmm. the, the provisions the floor the, and the uh, you know uh, the the basic needs hmm. which were and fulfilled that so that was the extent of the responsibility of the khalifa so hmm. this is this is what the islamic economic system tells us that the society is responsible hmm. for the needs of the people of society who are in need hmm. So, for example, somebody cannot work. Like we have got a system here, like a social system, where mm. we are trying to help and people are hurt. So, this is more uh, in resemblance with the with the Islamic economic system, where the government is responsible and uh, to to provide for the people who are in need. Mm. So, similarly, when the the commandment of God Almighty comes, and um, uh, you know, the, the spending in the way of Allah is essential. And as I mentioned earlier, that at the time. Of the holy founder of the uh, Ahmadiyya Muslim community, Hazrat Mirza Ghulam Ahmad Al-Qadiyan. When he came, he said that, that the um, at this time, uh, we are in need of spreading the true message of Islam to the world. Hmm. And for that, we need, we need to make sacrifices. Because, you know, no organization can run without uh, without expenses, without financial contributions. So he um, he inspired people so that they can contribute, and they did. And apart from that, in addition to this spending, in, uh, so that you, the literature could be published, the books could be published, and it could reach people, and uh, uh, also, the, you know, it was it was for the basic needs of the, the needy people at the time as well. So it was all distributed and and spent. But despite all that, you know, the um, the message of the true Islam, Ahmadiyyat, had not reached outside India. And the opposition, they obviously, uh, mm. you know, as ha- as it happens with all the prophets of God Almighty, that uh, they are not welcomed, and and uh, you know, they they are not people don't come with the garlands to welcome them. They they uh, stand against them. So every 
kind of opposition was there at the time of the, the, the promised Messiah on whom be peace. And following him, because the, the caliphate started, uh, Hazrat Khalifat al-Masih Awwal, uh, Hazrat Malvi Hakim Malvi Nuruddin, he was he was caliph from uh, uh, 1908 to 1914, mm. and then the second caliph, who was Hazrat uh, Mirza Bishiruddin Mahmud Ahmad, was the second caliph. Uh, at the age of 25 years, he became the Khalifa. Mm. And to to run the Jamaat, of obviously he was looking after the needs of of the Jamaat, and people were contributing, but Jamaat means the community was very. Uh, you know, they they were not very affluent. They mm. were like, uh, it was just like you know, making both hands meet in that that kind of situation. Yet they were paying this obligatory contribution, which yeah. is called chanda, obligatory chanda. And at that time in 1934, what happened was that the opposition they they got very strong, mm. and uh, you can hear they 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 were called ehrar at that time, and they were holding jalsas in opposition to jamaat through, throughout India. Hmm. And uh, one of the groups, they it also reached Qadiyan and they had a conference there. Hmm. Now you can imagine that the Khalifa of the time, he was residing there, hmm. and and Qadiyan is a very small town. Even today, if you go and you see, it is a very walkable distance. You could hmm. go around, and in the presence of of the Khalifa, there were people, you know. Uh, roaming around about in the streets and using foul language and ag- speaking against the MDs and that we are going to erase the name of uh, uh, Ahmadiyyat from face of earth. Hmm. And uh, the head, the, sec- the head of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community at the time, you know, he, the first thing he did was that he he, he told them to uh, not to retaliate in any any case. He said that neither verbally nor physically you are not going to respond, you are not going to retaliate. Mm-hmm. We are given the t- teaching of patience, so we will be patient and we will pray to God Almighty to help her, us in this difficult time. So he kept on praying for, for several weeks and then he then he started um, uh, delivering a series of Friday sermons and that started in November and that's why you know this this new scheme starts in mm. uh, from the 1st of November so in during these uh, Friday sermons he announced that God Almighty has taught me this scheme mm. and I have named this as a Tahrik-e-Jadid because Tahrik means uh, a, a scheme or a, a plan or an appeal and tahri um, and jadid means new. new and why he named it new he said that i know that you are already up to your neck you are paying mm. your obligatory mm. chandas where are you going to to uh, where is it going to come from if we we need more money mm. because the purpose or the uh, you know the job ahead of us is to spread the message of islam to the whole world mm. And we are limited to India. We do not have many resources. So what are we going to do? Hmm. And he said, Allah has given me this plan and put into my mind is that we are going to make more sacrifices. Hmm. We are going to change our lifestyle. We are going to, to go to a more simple life. Hmm. So so that to the extent he explained, he, he went uh, you know, to, to the details and he said that, okay, you know, in Pakistan, India, you, you will be familiar with that, that uh, even, even here you, you cook twice, you know, uh, mm. uh, one dish at lunchtime, one dish at, uh, at dinner time, 
uh, and uh, and he said that okay if you are cooking two dishes in a day then reduce it to one mm. and save that money of one dish which you are you were supposed to cook and mm. pay it into this contribution contribute into tehreek-e jadeed scheme mm. and then he said that okay uh, on the occasions of two festivals which are eid festivals mm. and there are two eid festivals in a year he said that every eid you make new clothes new set of clothes mm-hmm. so reduce that to one and save this money which you were going to make new clothes on mm. this one eid and save it and give it to tehreek e jadeed because islam is in need because mm. islam is in such a state where it needs help and we are going to make s- sacrifice mm. to to give this help so that this message reaches to the world true so then he said don't sit idle if you don't if you're not getting a job of your qualification do anything mm. anything so that you can save some money to pay into tehreek e jadeed scheme then he said that you devote your time if you are retired devote your time after retirement if you can devote two weeks give two weeks if you can devote your life devote your life for the sake of islam if you can um, respond to the allegations against islam you write if you can write if you, otherwise you deliver lectures go out if you can mm. you are able to do that then he said that and then there were some ge- general uh, demands as well he said that uh, give due rights to the to the women um also he said that uh, uh, go out and st- uh, clean the pathways mm. you see this is still well uh, valid even today if yeah, you go true. out and you if uh, people are asking you mm. and oh, what are you doing and then you get introduced and then mm. you tell them that this is the the message of true islam and so mm. we are just you know cleaning the pathways the teachings of islam, islam yeah. and similarly giving due rights to the to the to the women islam was in fact the very first one which gave rights um, you know equal rights to the women mm. so he said that give rights and then to the extent he said that we are in such a uh, you know desperate need that we if you have some money please you can if you can temporarily give it for like 3 uh, years mm. we'll keep it and then we'll return it to you but mm. we need it now because we have to send missionaries outside the world mm. true and you know what what at that time you earlier mentioned that god blesses mm. when somebody spends in the way of allah and and this verse which which says that you know and god almighty has given an example of a of a farmer who throws away a, a seed i be pen plows the field and if he throws away a seed he says allah says that out of one seed one plant grows each plant bears seven ears seven mm. branches each branch has multiple fruits and if you count the seeds on that fruit they are in hundreds so he said that i am giving you 700 times mm. and he said that i can give you even more more than that and allah is uh, allah is uh, the one who expands your provision mm. and and he is all knower so when he says he is all knower so he he says that i give you more but i look at in what condition you are you are giving mm. what sort of sacrifice are yeah, you making is it somebody who is earning 100000 and mm. out of that he is giving a 1000 pounds somebody mm. who is earning 10000 and giving 1000 pounds mm. you know obviously allah knows that with what intention what circumstances somebody mm. is paying so allah says that i reward him accordingly and tehreek e jadeed i usually give an example that in 1934 when he he demanded that we we just need like 27000 rupees at that time and uh, obviously the uh, the the jamaat they responded and they they paid 110000 rupees mm. at that time 1934 just imagine yes, but how allah has blessed that sacrifice of those people 
those people their names are still safe mm. you know 5000 people who paid in the 10 years mm. and then it has continued then with the blessings and uh, the second caliph who was you know who, who was at that time the head of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community and uh, he 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 then he said that this is this is going to continue because it is needed islam needs it unless it it spreads to the world but allah will bless us mm. and at that time you know i can <coughs> remind you that he announced that there will be a time which will come that khalifa of the jamaat will be speaking from qadian and people in different <coughs> countries of the world will listen to him yeah, yeah, they could yeah. hear him and they would understand in whatever language you know mm. they are and today we have, we have seen that being fulfilled and then at that time we we hardly had any mosque outside india we had only yeah, like fazl mosque in london and there was another mosque but now by the grace of allah recently you saw huzur visiting our head of yes. the amdi muslim community visiting america and he is inaugurating you know new mosques and 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 such a you know big mosque as well mm. here we are sitting in in battle for two you know people when they are passing by yeah. they say they look at it and they say you know one day i went out and and somebody asked me oh, uh, oh this is this a muslim mosque or oh, yes i said yes this mm. is the whole of it <laughs> you yeah. know he was so astonished yeah. so this is the it's blessing nice of allah yeah. that yeah. out of that Uh, such blessings have come out we've got so many mission houses so many mosques but not only that we do do look after the needs of people and we've gone out there to help people and this was all under tehreek jadid scheme hmm. so tehreek jadid under tehreek jadid scheme we have got a nusrat jahan scheme which runs the clinics and hospitals uh, in africa and it's more than 30 uh, 37 30 hospitals clinics then we have hundreds of secondary schools and primary schools and i visited them they are such wonderful schools and you saw when um, uh, our head of the community was meeting the african people yeah. and they were saying oh i was graduated from there you know this is these are the schools and they are still running mm. and apart from that you know uh, looking after the, the the water needs the basic food needs of people but apart from that we also look after the spiritual needs of people yeah. so we have made jamias the missionaries are coming out the the, the we have uh, made the presses where the, the you know the 7.6 million books were published even the last year and uh, so so this is going on the translations of the holy quran um, so so that this message reaches people So on the second day of Jalsa, if somebody wants to go into details mm. and 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 wants to know what is the what is it what is done you know under Tahrik Jadid, mm. this is all under on the second day he announces that you know 176,000 plus mm. baths were taken place, you know so many books we have published so many so all these works are being done under Tahrik Jadid scheme. Mm-hmm. So uh, uh, so simply to to summarize to understand Tahrik Jadid mm. scheme that this was the scheme which was announced. and this works under the khilafat the the biggest institution of course after the prophethood is the khilafat institute under khilafat there are three inst- three organizations executive organization mm-hmm. the one is sadr and juman amdia which was created at the time of the promised messiah on whom be peace and it continues and and covers india and pakistan mainly mm-hmm. and then we have the second executive organization which covers 210 countries of the world other than pakistan and india that is tehreek jadid and juman ahmadiyya and the third one is waqf jadid and juman ahmadiyya which was uh, started in 1957 
and which covers uh, mainly for the training purpose of the Jamaat, of the community. Um, there, uh, you know, is a, is a rapid short course of uh, Jamia. You can see mm. that these Mualimin were prepared and they were sent to various Jamaat. And now it has been extended to Africa as well. Mm. So these, these are the, so when you are con contributing into tahrik e you are mm. paying for the, all these 210 countries for which we have headquarters. And this had the, the head of the uh, uh, of the Jidi is called Vakiliala, hmm. and all the executive uh, directors they are called the Vakils. Hmm. So we got various departments like we have at the the local uh, hmm. local level. So just uh, to give you the extent that it is a quite a, a big organization hmm. dealing with anything happening anywhere in the world. Hmm. So it's dealt with and it goes to to under the instructions of Zur. So whatever you pay, it, it is it is paid into it. So it looks after the spiritual needs of people so that they are fulfilled mm. and uh, and and uh, of course those who contribute into who directly do not are not able to convey the message they mm. they can say that of course we are conveying the message and we are fulfilling our duty of responsibility one question you know uh, dr sub uh, you know who can take part in this scheme? Can you contribute on behalf of deceased loved ones? Yeah, that I, I, I would just quickly give mm. you this answer that, you know, I received a letter mm. from one of my friends and he, he wrote to me, he said that, you know, I, I, although he was told that you should pay on behalf of the, your deceased ones, my mm. father had passed away. Uh, but I, I, I didn't realize that importance. But once one day I saw a dream. Mm. I saw my father sitting in, in a field under a tree mm -hmm. and angels were sitting around him. So one of the angels said that, oh, uh, Mr. Abdul Karim, do you know your status in paradise has been raised? Mm -hmm. And he said, how come? And he said, you, your son has paid on your behalf the Riki Jadid contribution. Mm -hmm. That's why your status has been raised. So this is so real that, uh, you know, if you pay on behalf of your mm. disease one, this is one thing is prayer. And the second thing is, uh, you know, um, if you contribute on their behalf, of course, they get the reward and they are. So so you are yeah, uh, most welcome to pay. And, and even for those who paid in the first first 5000 you can pay, pay directly into your, their accounts as well thank you very much uh, you know for giving very uh, you know insight of the Deed. as we have talked about throughout the show many people are struggling you know uh, due to the raising cost of living so we should be you know uh, spending more and more for people just to see gain the pleasure of allah the almighty and uh, you know we will end uh, with the saying of the holy prophet peace be upon him he said that spend, O son of Adam, and you know, as Allah the Almighty said, that spend, O son of Adam, and I shall spend on you. So with this, I would like to conclude, you know, today's shows, and uh, I would like to thank the producer of today's show, which is uh, Khan Sarazak and Hadiyatul Hasib, and Jazakallah for you and the technical team to you know uh, helping us today for this incredible shows and uh, you know incredible topics as well so jazakallah once again and until next time assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh